What's up, guys? How we doing? Doing good? Welcome to the Tabernacle. My name's Britton. I'm one of the pastors here. You guys, please hold. But man, Manistee, what's up? Man, I miss you guys. I really do. For those of you here, I'm the Manistee Student Ministries pastor. So those are my people. And Phyllis, I have to be honest with you. Your cookies are better in Manistee than Buckley's cookies at the cafe. I said it. Hey, if there's a credible source for cookies, it's this, all right? So you guys calm down for a minute, all right? It's good to see you guys, man. I'm excited um, about this weekend. This is, a, this is something that the opportunity that I have to come and share in God's word with you guys is something that I've dreaded for a long time as I've been coming through this thing that God is forming me into. Like preaching is something that is at times very exciting and at times you're like, I don't know, God, if you really, me, you sure? And I think a lot of us have that same uh, thought process whenever we feel called to something like serving. I don't know, God, me, are are you sure? Are you sure? And I could sum up this whole entire sermon in the next moment by just saying one thing to you. Serve. 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 That's it. I could pray right now, and that would be what we needed to hear. Serve. 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 I don't know what it looks like for you. I don't know what your gifts, your talents, your abilities are, but I could sum it all up with one thing. Serve. I don't know what God has gifted you with, what season of life you're in, whether you have five kids or all five of them are gone. I don't know where you're at currently, but I can tell you one thing remains the same for all of us. Serve. Serve. I don't know what your financial situation is. I don't know where you're at currently in, in the world and with jobs and different things like that. Whether you have two jobs or no jobs, I can tell you one thing. Serve. 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 There's one thing that rings true throughout God's word. Is that if we want to call ourselves disciples... If we want to call ourselves Christians, if we want to call this place God's church, his people have to serve. And the biggest disservice you can do to yourself and others this weekend is hear me tell you the only place you serve is within these walls. Now, are there opportunities for you to jump in and serve within these walls? Are we excited about people joining in in that? Absolutely. 100%. Please. But that's not all it is. Serve. Outside the walls. In your workplace. At your dinner table. In your marriage. In your parenting. With your friend groups. Serve. Why? Because Jesus said so. We had an opportunity to film a video with our students um, where we were talking about... (laughs) Can I let you guys in a little insider trade? So there's a green square up here, and I was definitely standing outside of it for that whole thing. Manistee, I'm sorry, okay? I was standing in front of your screen the whole time. I love it, Martin. Why did they put me up here? Okay, here we go. So, but we had this awesome opportunity to uh, film this video for this thing that we're launching with Foundry called Swerve. Swerve, right here, kind of crooked, kind of sick, right? Swerve, students who serve. Statistics show that about 90% of students stop going to church, so students being 7th through 12th grade, stop going to church when they leave their parents' church. 
right? And I've heard all the arguments. Well, they just move. That's why they don't go to church anymore. Yeah, yeah, okay, calm down. But I think the, the issue is, is there's a generation of students that go to their parents' church. And they've never taken the ownership piece that this is their church. It's not just their parents' church, a place that they go with their family, but this is their church. So in an effort to to push back against that, to raise up the next generation of believers and the next generation of disciples so that we can see the world one for Christ, I love what it says in Matthew 20, when this gospel of the kingdom is preached to all nations, then the end will come, right? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, just no offense, based on what I'm seeing in the room, we better start equipping the next generation because we probably got, what, 15, 20 years left, right? No offense, Okay. But if we're not equipping the next generation, we're not going to see this thing finished. We are God's plan A. There is no plan B. When you see those kids, you're like, man, dang kids these days with those phones, right? I'm defending them right now. Those phones are going to be what reaches the world. Will you teach them how to use them? But anyway, sorry. We launched this thing called Swerve, Students Who Serve, in an effort to get kids to buy in to God's church, to use their gifts, their talents, their abilities to then Abide with Christ and serving his bride. And through that, we've talked about this, this concept over the past like year with the students. It's, it's, you guys have heard if you listen to the podcast. We, being a Christian, is saying yes to Jesus every time. It's giving Jesus your unreserved, unconditional yes. Our answer when God calls on us is yes. Now, what do you want me to do? And then that's why on the back of the shirt, right? Yes, boom. Incredible marketing, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Last shirt I made was black with black print, so I'm proud of this one, okay? If you've seen it, you haven't because you can't see it. That was a mistake I made. I'm sorry. All right? So, I don't know what I'm talking about. What was I talking about? Swerve. Okay, here we go. Students who serve. And I think the thing that breaks my heart at the same time that gets me excited is there are so many adults, myself included, that are pumped that somebody is going to push students to serve that are excited to see the next generation buying in to this thing that God is planning for the world, that God has planned for the world. We love when we hear about the 13-year-old that's sitting back in the tech booth right now, probably here in Buckley, and I'm assuming there's one in Manistee running lights or lyrics. We love the idea of them being the ones who serve, but then whenever it comes to us, we're like, well, you know, man, I got like this thing. I got, well, I have work, and then, well, I've got to mow, right? And deer season's coming up, and, uh, and I've got games, and I got to... Drive the kids here and drive the kids there. I got board meetings. I have work meetings. It's NFL Sunday. Right? I tried to use that one. It didn't work. I tried. I was like, John, I can't preach this weekend, dude. My fantasy football team lineup. He's like, shut up. I was like, yes, sir. You guys okay? <laughs> Man. There was like four people here last night on Saturday night, and they were more lively than you guys. Manistee, I hope you're doing okay. I know in my head right now, right here is Phyllis, and she's saying amen, so come on, right? Come on, it's Jesus' church, and he's on the move. Get excited about something, all right? Please. See, I think the issue, I, I, when I was in, during COVID, I had an opportunity to talk um, to this Greek Orthodox pastor. And him and I were talking back and forth, and we're like, man, like, how are things going with your church? And he said, we never shut down. But that's interesting. So you guys never stopped meeting together? He goes, oh, no, we stopped meeting together. We didn't allow people in the building, but we never stopped meeting together. So that's interesting. Please explain to me that thought process. <laughs> and he said, you see, the issue that you and your church, he was talking about the, the, the most Protestant churches in America, said that you won't admit is that your stage is for the people in the seats. 
and our stage is for God. We don't meet for the people in the seats. We meet for God. And I think that's something that the church across America is missing. We don't meet for the people in the seats. We don't serve for the people in the seats. We serve God. This is a church built on Christ alone. See, I love, as you continue to to be around the tabernacle for a while, and I was coming here and I was interviewing like a year and a half ago, and I was like, man, what's something you love about the tabernacle? And it was this resounding thing. was like, man, that lady that's British can sing. I'm like, I'm kidding. She can. But no, the thing that everybody said, everyone, I love that we're a church that just preaches God's word. I love that we're a church that just preaches God's word. I think that was true before COVID. But I think coming out of COVID, my question would be, if we're a church that loves preaching God's word, when did we stop being a church that did God's word? When did that stop? Why did that stop? What shifted? We've weaponized scripture plenty over the last year and a half, but have we applied it to our lives? In the spaces and places that we are called to make an impact. I don't know where you're at today, but I can tell you for the next 27 minutes, focus on the person in your seat. James 1, verse 22. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and he goes away at once and forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. I love the story of uh, Marshawn Lynch. So Marshawn Lynch is a running back for the Seattle Seahawks, and they played in the Super Bowl. And then the, whenever you go play in the Super Bowl, you have these mandatory interviews that you have to go to. And there's hundreds of people of the press sitting around Marshawn. And he tells them before it starts, he says, listen, no matter how many questions you guys ask, I'm going to answer you the same way. So fire away. Hundreds of reporters just start asking question after question after question. Answer after answer, Marshawn just says, I'm just here so I won't get fined. I'm just here so I won't get fined, right? How many men in this church, that would be your response as to why you're here this morning, right? <laughs> I'm just here so I won't get fined. <laughs> I'm just here so I can watch football later today without somebody being mad at me, right? I don't know where you're at. That was, I thought that was going to be funny. Um, <laughs> but after this moment with Marshawn, he comes and he walks off the platform after his little hour gone, has gone by, and another reporter meets him behind. And this reporter's name is Deion Sanders, prime time Deion Sanders, one of the most respected men in football. And when Marshawn sees Deion, Deion asks him one question. He says, Marshawn, you don't like to talk a lot. What's that about? He says, I'm just about that action, boss. I don't know about you, but I wish that the church's response would be, I'm just about that action. See, but I think we've missed it. We've became a group of people that we really love to talk about it. We really love to talk about it, which is great. Keep going to Fight Club. Keep going to Tab Women Groups. Those groups are incredible. They have blessed me immensely. I love my Fight Club. 
I love the group of men that I get to sit around God's word with. But you want to know what I love even more than that? When we leave and I see a group of men that are taking God seriously and applying it to their everyday life, it's not just staying there in the war room. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer. That's about that action. Church, it's time we saddle up. It's time to roll. See, but I don't want you to hear try harder. I don't. Please don't hear that. The answer is not try harder. And we'll get to that here in a moment. I love this verse in 1 John 2.4. It's not going to be on the screen. That's why you bring your Bible to church. Right? That was free. Bring your Bible. You'll have all the verses. 1 John 2.4. He says, whoever says I know him but doesn't keep his commandments is a liar. That one hurts. I can look back at my past week and really have this moment of reflection of, do I know him? Do I know him? Am I actively seeking to keep his commandments? Are his commandments the first thing that come to mind when I enter into situations? Serve. I really love when people serve me. Can I just be honest with you guys? That's like one of my favorite things. And that sounds horrible, and you're like, why is this guy preaching? It's because I'm honest, okay? So be honest with yourself. Everyone in here loves him. So he's like, hey, dinner's ready. I made you a plate. And if you don't like that, then you're prideful because everyone loves being served. And if you're like, oh, not me, fake, false humility. So continue. Anyways, I love being served. I love the act of somebody loving me enough to take care of me, especially when I know it's somebody that really wants to take care of me and love me. So yesterday, my fiance Hope and I were watching the OU Nebraska game, which we scraped by by a thread, right? We barely beat them, but we beat them, boomer sooner. So, but there was this moment where it was like, hey, what do you want for lunch? I was like, it, I just had the assumption, I was like, well, I thought you were going to handle that. <laughs> like, don't you like, this is horrible, guys, don't do this, okay? I'm learning early, okay? So, <laughs> man, Steve, what's up? Love you guys. And so, long story short, she brought me lunch, and it was awesome. I remember after that, I'm like watching this game, and I was like, man, you're a jerk. She just drove two hours to come hang out with you while you watch football, and then she's going to come stay at the Vermilia house to watch you preach on the weekend, and you're like, well, I thought you were making lunch. You're a jerk. That was like confession. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Whoever says I know him but doesn't keep his commandments is a liar. Is a liar. I remember when I got to college, um, this is story time with Britain. I got to college at Fort Hayes State University. I remember I, gra- I graduated, and we were, I was an early enrollee, so I went in the summer because I needed to get ahead of some remedial classes, and uh, I needed to get in the weight room with some guys. And so I remember I drove this five hours, and there was this moment where I got in the car, and I had a five-hour drive to Hayes, Kansas from, from Uluga, Oklahoma. Say that five times fast, right? But I'm driving, and I remember this whole five-hour drive. I just kept reminding myself, man, you're the man. You did it. So many people told you you weren't good enough. So many people told you you didn't have the grades. You weren't strong enough. You weren't committed enough. And man, you did it. You're the man. You're going to play college football. I literally had that conversation for like five hours. I remember I show up and the coach texts me. He's like, hey, you're going to be living on the corner of 8th and Main for the summer with two of your teammates. Okay, sick. So I get into Hayes, Kansas, driving down Main Street, and I'm like counting them down. 11th, 
10th, 9th, 8th. He said, they're going to be standing outside whenever you get there. I was like, okay, cool. So I get the four-way stop, and I see the house on the corner of 8th and Main. I can see it right now. And there are two individuals standing on the front door, like patio. These individuals' names are Mossy and G. Mossy was about six foot three, 320 pounds. And G was about six foot six, 300 pounds, with like the long hair, tat- kind of looks like Moana. You guys have seen Moana, right? He's standing there, and I'm like, should I just keep going? I don't know if I, <laughs> I don't know if this is, I don't know if I'm made for this, right? So I text my coach, I'm like, hey, I think I'm here. And he's like, yeah, they're outside. And I was like, oh, yeah, I don't see them. And like hoping he'd be like, oh, okay, we'll go try this house. And he didn't. He's like, no, they're there. And I was like, oh, okay. So I pull in and get out. And I'm like, what's up, guys? I'm like, what's up, man? They're like, hey, we'll unload your car. Dinner's ready downstairs. So I go downstairs. And I'm like, hey, you deserve to be here. You're okay. Right? Like, hyping myself up because I'm terrified. And so I get down to the dinner table and we sit down. And over the course of conversation, you know, just how men do, right? I shot a 160 inch deer. It's like, yeah, well, mine was 161, right? So, but we're sitting down at the dinner table and I proceed telling them, like, yeah, man, I was all state. I did this. I had offers from here, there, and everywhere. And then he was like, yeah, but you still came here. So I don't know why you're telling us about the other places that you could have went to. But we're all sitting at this dinner table. And then G said something from across the table as we were eating like microwave rice and chicken breasts, which is still my staple dish. Uh, <laughs> he says, see, Britton, you're going to learn early. He called me Bishop. He said, see, Bishop, you can talk all you want, but we'll find out on the first day at camp who's real. We'll find out. So we go through the summer, and the first day of camp rolls around, and I've got my helmet on, and we head out, and we go to offense and defensive line one-on-ones. If you don't know what that is, YouTube it. But we're doing one-on-ones. The starters go, second string goes, third string goes, and then it's like, all right, red shirts, you're up. That's like the freshmen that are barely there. I'm like, okay, six. So I like do my little hog jog over to my spot, and I like get down. And I'm like, okay, here we go. And then I hear a voice from the back. Hey, coach, hold up. I got Bishop. And I like look up, and it's G walking to come against me. Our returning all-American defensive end, that transferred from the University of Arizona for undisclosed reasons. And he's like, I got Bishop, first rep of college football. All right, let's do it. Okay, you sure, G? Like, you, drink, you need a drink of water? I don't, hamstring's a little tight. But so I get to this moment, and I go to get down in my stance and coach it. This means we're going on set one, two. Soccer people, I'm sorry. But he gave me this. We're going on one. I was like, we should go on two and see if we can get him to jump off sides. Then I won't have to do it. But we went on one. So I get down to my stance, and I hear, ready, set, hit, and I take like two kicks. And all of a sudden, what I would imagine the hand of God feels like hits me in the ear. And then I woke up a little bit later because G knocked me out cold on the field. And I wake up, and I'm like, oh, man, that was my welcome to college football moment. But that's when I learned. You can talk about it all you want, but when push comes to shove, are you actually going to be about that action? You can talk about it all you want. We can Facebook share it all we want. We can tell people to go to Fight Club all we want. But when push comes to shove, are we about that action? Are you about that action? Am I about that action? I only have to answer for one person. Are you about that action? Are you inconveniencing yourself? in an effort to love people, 
See, we love, love God, love people here, don't we? It's so simple. It's beautiful. It's Jesus' commands. Why don't we do it? You know how you love God and you love people? Serve. Serve. See, but I think the issue that we have is we have a misconception of what serving is. And I think that misconception comes from this simple fact that we forgot who we're serving. I love in Revelation as Jesus is talking to the church, or this, not Jesus, but there's this picture of this thing. They're talking to the church in Ephesus. I'm sorry it wasn't. But chapter 2, verse 4. But I have this against you, that you abandon the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works. But I have this against you, that you've abandoned the love you had at first. I think the reason a lot of us have fallen out of this, this, this routine and this idea of serving weekly and showing up to church, crazy concept, coming to church when I'm not serving, going to service when I have no other reason to be there other than to worship God, to sit under a teaching of his word and to tell him you're worthy of my time, my efforts, my energy, and my resources. The idea of serving one and attending one of saying, I'll serve and tab kids first service, but second service, I'm sitting in there. I'm worshiping with my family. I have no, there's nothing in me that thinks that the people in here that say they love Jesus didn't have a moment where there was a, like a Damascus Road moment where it was Jesus is the only way. The scales fell off and you were radically in love with Jesus, ready to do whatever he called you to. But then it faded, and it faded, and it got numb, and we abandoned our first love, and we lost sight of the mission because we started looking to our left and to our right instead of raising our gaze to Christ alone. I remember I had, there was a time in my life where I, I kind of had that moment, right? And there are still moments where I'm like, man, I don't know if I want to do this anymore, but that's, that's a joke. I'm kidding. I love you guys. But... Remember, I had this moment where I was like, man, I'm just not feeling God the same anymore. Martin, I don't know if you've ever been there. I was like, man, I just don't feel it. I don't feel God like I used to. I'm not like, when I read his word, I'm not experiencing like a stirring in my spirit. I'm not, there's just no power behind this anymore. Remember, I met with one of my mentors, this awesome individual named Trey Giles. I said, I explained what I just said to him to you guys. And he said, well, Britton, uh, trace it back. When's the last time you told God no? So I remember I'm tracing it back, and I'm like, man, Houston, Texas, 2017. God called me to work with students. Remember, as we were on a mission trip with young adults and students, I was like, man, like I'm going to go do my thing in the business world, be successful, whatever. But in the moment, God grabbed my heart and gave me a passion and desire to see young people fall in love with Jesus and give him everything. But I said, no. No. And over the next few months, I remember it just began to fade and fade and fade. And then I re- realized, man, I don't, this doesn't feel right. He said, trace it back to your last no, because God's not going to move on. God doesn't negotiate with our desires. What he's gifted you with, what he's called you to, there's only one answer. Yes. 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 See, a lot of us in here love the idea of, of using our gifts, right? 
I can look around this room and I can see individuals that know how to boss up a meeting room, right, with incredible leadership gifts or the ability to serve the people they work with. I see some incredible mothers in this room. I see people with an amazing gifts in this room, but can I, can I give, let you in on something? The biggest gift of all is that God lets you use those gifts he gave you outside of this building. We have to stop thinking we're doing God a favor when we use the gifts he gave us to build his church. No, God's doing you a favor because you're getting to use the gifts he gave you to build your home. We're not doing God a favor by serving. Man, we got issues. We got issues. See, I think it's a love issue. I think it's a love issue. I really do. I don't think it's try harder. I think we've abandoned our first love. I love the way David says it in the Psalms. He says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Man, find somebody that's excited about their salvation, and you'll see somebody that will serve their face off for the kingdom. And please, can I reiterate again, I'm not talking about those four tables out there. You know, 95% of Christians never share their faith. 95% of Christians never tell anybody about Jesus. Out of that 5% that do, 60% don't do it regularly. There's a world that's hurting, dying, and broken, lost without a shepherd, hopeless, and we're sitting here keeping secrets. We've allowed what God has done in our life to become our best kept secret. We've abandoned our first love. It's Jesus until. Jesus unless. It's Christ alone until I have to provide for my family. It's Christ alone unless the schedule doesn't allow it. We've abandoned our first love. It's not a try harder issue, it's a love issue. I love the way Jesus talks to us in John 15. Uh, he, he promises, there's this whole 14 and 15, there's, Jesus comes and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay, we'll try that again, Buckley and here in, Man- in Manistee, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Thank you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. There's no other way. There's no other truth. There's no other life. There's no other way to the Father. That's our best kept secret. But he continues on and he talks about this this idea of I am the true vine. And I'll let you go read all of chapter 15. But he talks about how you need to abide in the tree and that there's a pruning process process that happens to the branches that don't abide and that they'll be pruned off and thrown into the fire, which is true. And he's talking about that. but But the branches that abide and produce good fruit, that's what he's breaking down in this idea, right? And then in verse 14, I love the picture that Jesus paints for us. I love the picture that Jesus paints for us. Another insider trade. Bring your Bible to church. Then you'd be able to read this with me because I'm not putting it on the screen. 
And it wasn't because I forgot. (laughs) Chapter 15, verse 14, John. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. Isn't that an incredible picture that Jesus is painting for us in this moment? That when he calls us to serve, he's not calling us to serve as servants. No, he's calling us as friends to abide in him, to get close to him. And when you abide in Christ, you can't help but serve his bride. The closer you get to Jesus, the more it overflows out of your life. He's not calling you to serve as a servant. No, what are we doing? We're just doing what he did. He showed us exactly what it looks like. We serve a king that washed feet, and we think we're above it. We have a ministry here at the tabernacle called Tab Kids. That is the only way 50 years from now this church will still be standing is the bodies that are in there right now. And we can't have it for every service? That's an issue. That's the next generation. That's the people that are going to equip the rest of the world with the gospel. And adults are sitting here saying, I'm too busy. I can't pass on what I know. I don't know enough. Go try. This isn't a shame game. This isn't meant to be offensive. If you're feeling a stirring in your heart, that's called conviction. I'm feeling it right now. We have a generation of youth and students and little K through 12 that are chomping at the bit for somebody to give them some hope, and we're too busy. There's no reason a church of our size shouldn't have kids available every service, every weekend. There's no reason a church of our side should have people serving multiple services at kids every service, every weekend. We got to get after it. Because if no one tells them, you know this is the most biblically illiterate generation? Whose fault is that? It's not theirs. It's not theirs. Because we've decided Jesus is going to be our best kept secret. Just last weekend, um, I'm going to tell this story, and I want to start with no offense. <laughs> Just last weekend, we had an incredible opportunity to have live streamed full service in Manistee. Manistee, I hope you're listening. But the reason that had to happen is because we didn't have enough people to serve in Tab Kids. And so we had members from our band that are willing and able to lead worship that said, you know what? No, I'm committed and I'm serving in Tab Kids to equip the next generation. We weren't able to have a worship band in Manistee last week. Yeah, because there were some unforeseen circumstances, but the other piece is because there wasn't enough people willing and able to use their gifts to equip the next generation. And because there weren't people willing and able to equip the next generation, then we didn't have a worship team. And don't get me wrong, the live stream was sick. It was really cool. You guys were rocking. Man, that's an issue. That we've got the same 20 people that serve in every ministry at our church. we got to get after it. It's time we stop talking about it, and we become about that action. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who does. This isn't the gospel of try harder. It's abide more. Can I tell you, I have full faith and trust in the fact that if every single one of us draws closer to Jesus, every single one of us will be stirred to serve. 
That's who he is. And if you spend time with him and your heart begins to beat for what his heart beats for, you can't help but wash feet. You can't help it. If you abide in Christ, you serve as bride. If you abide in Christ, you serve his bride. See, but we have to stop thinking that this is about us. And the last question I have for us to contemplate on is, whose kingdom are you building? Whose kingdom are you building? Is it the kingdom of self? Is it the kingdom of my family? Is it the kingdom of my business? Is it the kingdom of my kids' sports team? Whose kingdom are you building? Because there's only one kingdom that prevails at the end. There's only one kingdom left standing when those... When the gates of heaven open up and Jesus comes back, praise God. There's only one kingdom that will be left. Whose kingdom are you building? Whose kingdom are you building? Yes. Whatever, wherever, whenever, whoever. Yes. Now, what was it that you wanted me to do, Lord? Your servant is listening. Yes. At the grocery store? Yes. In Tab Kids? Yes. In the tech booth? Yes. In the cafe? Yes. In the food pantry? Yes. As an usher? Yes. On the stage? Yes. On the cleaning team? Yes. Boundary? Yes. Your servant is listening. Yes. Yes. The band's not going to come back out. What we're going to do is we're going to pray, and then we're going to have an opportunity to say yes. Now, what that doesn't mean is that the only way you can say yes to serving Jesus in his kingdom is to go to one of those tables. But that's a heck of a way to start. See, my biggest disservice I could do to you and to our church is to tell you that the only way you can serve the kingdom is by doing it inside our walls. Now, there's some of us in here that know exactly what our yes looks like, and it happens on Monday when we get back to work. There's some of us in here that know exactly what our yes looks like, and it's when we get in the car and we're back with our wife. There's some of us in here that know exactly what our yes looks like, and it's actually a no to something else. But there's another opportunity to say yes out there in the lobby. There are tables and ministries that have no other goal than to equip the saints. They have no other goal than to see the world one for Christ. Whatever it is, I guarantee you, you ask that ministry leader, yeah, the cafe is still seeing the world one for Christ. Don't believe me? Go ask Tina. There's a world that's hurting, broken, lost, like sheep without a shepherd. And we've kept this a secret. Whoever, wherever, whenever, whatever. Yes. Lord, we praise you. We're sorry that we've kept you a secret for so long, Lord. Lord, I'm sorry when I've come with my agenda, when I've fallen short of your glory or your desire or your purpose for my life because I've decided that I know better. God, I'm sorry for the times that I say no to your commands. I want to know you 
and make you known. Lord, continue stirring in me a desire for more of you so that as I go from this place, I can give more of you to more people. Lord, let it be true of the tabernacle that we were a church that ministered from our overflow. Lord, your servants are listening. Will you tell us where you want us to go? Yes. You have our yes. You have my yes. Open-handed, unreserved, unconditional, fully committed, eyes fixed on Jesus. Yes. Lord, thanks for showing us how to do it. We ask that your kingdom come and your will be done. We want some more of up there or down here. And it's in your son's beautiful, precious, and holy name that we pray. Amen.